I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on this. And so I want to title this message for this weekend, first weekend of the year, Remember Lot's Wife. Turn to someone next to you and say, Remember Lot's Wife. All right, let's talk about who is Lot, who's his wife, and what's going on here. So Jesus said in verse 28, Luke 17, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking. They were buying and selling. They were planting and they were building. But the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Happy New Year. And you're like, okay, it's a good, good day to be in church. Um, it's going to get better. Turn to someone next to you and say, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus is coming back. He was telling his disciples, he was saying, I'll be back. And when I come back, you better be ready. You better be ready. Because here's the thing. We should live as if Jesus is coming back tonight. But we should prepare as if he may not come back for hundreds of years. And for some people, they go, wait, how do you do that? How do you live as if he's coming back tonight, but prepare as if he's coming back not in your lifetime? I watched my parents do it. Still watching my mom do it. She lives with an urgency, a readiness that Jesus could come back. So daily, she's, she's taking time to just check her heart. We're taking time as believers, checking our hearts. But there's also this patient endurance that even if he doesn't, I'm going to live with faith that he could. But I'm also going to endure trials and not be mad going, why don't you rapture me right now from this problem? You know, why haven't you come back yet? I'm going to trust that God, no one knows the day or the hour. So I'm ready, but I'm patient. Everybody say ready, but patient. So Jesus, then he goes on to say this. He says, on that day, no one who was in their housetop with possessions inside their house should go down to get them. And likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. On that day, and then he says this, verse 32. This is interesting. This is the, one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. The, the first short scripture is Jesus wept. The second shortest scripture is remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife. And then he says this, if you cling, in verse 33, if you cling to your life, if you try to save your life, you're gonna lose it. But whoever loses their life will preserve it. They'll save it. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, God, on this first weekend of the year. And I pray that you would prepare us for what you have prepared ahead of us. I pray, God, that we would stir our hope up, our faith up, that what is in front of us is so much greater than anything that's behind us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, we're going to worship at the end of service, and so band, be ready to come back up here. I wrote a new song, y'all. I just wrote it yesterday, and I haven't written one in a long time, but this song just stirred in my heart from this message, and I walked out here and sat on the piano, and Lamar was out here, and so we, we kind of just penciled this song idea together, and, and so we're going to end the sermon with some worship. I'm going to sing that new song, but I feel like God wants us to start this year off with a posture of consecration. The altar at the end of service, I want to just set it up that it's not really about just unbelievers coming down to the altar and giving their heart to Jesus, although I 
pray that happens for someone in the room. If you're far from God or you don't feel like you know God, that today's a great day to receive Jesus in your heart. Um, This is always an altar for repentance and for uh, if those who've drifted from God, you know the Lord, but you, you know you need to recommit. That's beautiful. But the altar this weekend is also for believers who are close to God. You're walking with God, but you want to start this year off with a posture of humility. And you want to say, Lord, this year belongs to you. My routine, my relationships, my family, my marriage, my dreams, my career, my school, whatever season of life you're in, that at the end of this sermon, I want to open this altar up for believers or unbelievers that you would come down with a posture of surrender and say, God, I give you this year. And it comes from this sermon that God began stirring in my heart to remember Lot's wife, that there was something about Lot's wife that Jesus needed everyone to know this story is important. He could have mentioned any woman in the Bible. There's 150 different women he could have mentioned of of stories, and they actually have names. But in, in the story of Lot's wife, we don't even know her name. Like, I started looking through the Bible. I was like, what's her name? Is it Ashley? Is it Sharon? Is it Iru? Is it Debbie? Is it Abby? Is it Jessica? Is it Mary? Like, what's, what's her name? Her name's not in there. How politically incorrect in 2022. Remember the wife. You know, like, what's her name? We don't know. We just know that she was Lot's wife. She was married to Lot. We don't know her past. We don't know what she was addicted to. We don't, know what, we don't know what she went through. We don't know what happened to her. We just know that at the end of her life, things didn't end well. And, and to understand her story, we got to go back to what actually happened. What was her story? What is Jesus referring to? Who was Lot anyway? So let's go back to Genesis 19. Genesis 19. And Lot was the nephew of Abraham. You guys remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm. Okay, so we all talk about Abraham and we're like, yes, we know that guy, but he had a relative. And we don't talk about his relative that often. But Lot was prosperous. Businessman, like successful, um, had two daughters and had lots of cattle and had lots of employees. And him and Abraham, they were living in the same space, but they were too big for the same place. Like they were both so prosperous, the land couldn't handle the two of them. And so Abraham said, Lot, Pick your favorite place, and I'll go to the, the, the second place, like the place that you wouldn't choose between this land. And so Lot chooses the best land. And he pitches his tents near a, a town called Sodom and Gomorrah. He does not move into the city at first. He lives outside the city limits. But gradually, between Genesis 14 and Genesis 19, Lot's family starts moving closer and closer towards the city. Until finally, he's not just living in the city, he is indulged with this city. And this city was sinful. This city, I mean, it was sexually immoral. There was all kinds of junk happening there. And Lot was prospering in a wicked place. You can prosper in a wicked place for a time, but eventually it becomes destructive. So here's Lot's family. Now, Abraham chose a a less um, desirable place, and he's prospering as well. And God says, because you chose this land, I'm about to give you all of it. And I believe that's a word for someone this year. God's about to, you chose Oklahoma. Come on, Jesus. God's about to give you all of it. All right, so so in Genesis 19, God, right before this, in Genesis 18, God shows up to Abraham and says, listen, uh, the wickedness has gotten so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah, I gotta destroy it because it is destroying the planet. Like it's, it's messing up everything. And, and this is a wild story. But what happened is 
Abraham starts reasoning with God. He says, can I negotiate with you? And God's like, what do you mean? He says, if I could find 50 righteous people in that city, would you preserve it? He says, yeah. And then Abraham says, what about 30? What if I, like, I don't think there's 50 in there. Maybe 30. God says, yes. And then Abraham's like, I don't even think there's 30. Maybe 20. God says, yes. And then Abraham goes, 10. What if there's only 10 people in that city that are trying to live their life for you? God says, yeah, I'll save it. Couldn't even find 10. And so God sends angels to Lot's family. Now, we serve a God who always has something greater in front of us than what lies behind us. No matter how good your past is or how bad your past is, you serve a good God for your future. In fact, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. He says, forget the former things. In verse 18, Isaiah 43, 18, he says, forget the former things. I know they're good. And you could build museums and you could talk about the past miracles the rest of your life. But behold, I'm about to do something that is so powerful. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. And something beautiful is about to happen. Get ready for the new thing. God says, I'm doing a new thing. We serve a God who's always progressively doing something new and fresh. If you're obsessed with the past, you'll never make it into the future. This sermon is really an invitation to believe that greater things are in front of you than what lies behind you. It's, it's about getting a vision. Everybody say vision. It's about getting a vision that God has something so powerful in front of us, but it's going to require us letting go of what's behind us. And that's hard. And so God shows up with two angels in Lot's house, and he says, I got something in front of you. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's restorative. It's the only way you're going to survive, too. You got to move forward. And Lot goes, but we're comfortable here. Like, we got friends here. Like, this is our life. It's easy street here. We don't have, like, we don't got to go to church. We don't got to read our Bibles. We, like, if we compare our sins to their sins, we're always doing better than these guys around, you know. And God says, I'm calling you to a higher level of, of surrender, and it requires you letting go. Everybody say, let go. And so Lot, he starts reasoning with the angels, and he says, can I just spend one more night here? Can we just take one more night here? And the night is crazy. I don't have time to get into it, but it gets wild. And so in the morning, in verse 15 um, of Genesis 19, the angels, they are fed up. They go, Lot, it is time right now. Necessary endings right here. 2022 is over. Stop trying to hold on to it. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new season. Wake up and move forward. And they said, hurry. Everybody say, hurry. They look at Lot in verse 15. They say, hurry. Get your wife. Get your daughters. Get out. Move forward. Everybody say, move forward. Verse 16, when Lot hesitated. If I told you, like if I came into your house 2 a.m. in the morning, this happened to me. We, we woke up in the middle of the night with a house fire. And my dad said, get out, get out, there's a fire. If I came and did that to you and your house was on fire and I, like, none of y'all woke up and I'm banging on the door and I, I bust through and I go, get out, get out, there's a fire. Would you go into the closet and go, hold on, I got to get my favorite sweater, my suede jacket. I need to get my new shoes Daniel Henshaw just gave me. I also need to... Uh, Paul, I need to get a canoe out of the garage. It's like our favorite family canoe, and I don't want it to burn. Just give me a second here. I'm going to go in the kitchen. we got to save the milk. we got to get the milk out of the refrigerator. 
No, no, you would get out because the house is on fire, right? Right? When our family was in a house fire, we had to get out. This is what the angel's saying. It's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. I need help. Ty, will you step up here? Pastor Ty. And I am, I am your future. I'm 2023, but 2022 is over there. So here it is. Lot hesitates, and the angels had to grasp his hand. And Lot's reaching back for his past. He's going, please, please let me keep it. I need some help. Can I get a couple of guys to hold Ty's hand? Because this is really what's going on. It's not just what Lot wants. It's the people that want to keep Lot. It's the addictions. It's the pornography. It's the cocaine. It's the alcohol. It's the cigarettes. It's the side chick. Hey, it's, it's all of this stuff. And you're going, Paul, like, I know God's calling me forward. But you don't know, like, I, I, I'm, I, Paul, and the, the angels are going, stop, you got to go, you got to go, come on, man, the future is bright, your best days are in front of you, let go, and he's hesitating, and y'all are like, this is way too intense for the first morning of the year, Paul, I had five shots of espresso, I am ready for you guys, I came prepared, <laughs> The angels, they're going, you got to go. And finally, they rip the grip. Everybody say, rip the grip. <sighs> I hope your hand's okay. And so Lot grabs his wife and his daughters. Because what you're connected to affects your family. And if you're single, it affects your future spouse. You go, ah, I'll stop doing this once I get married. If you don't stop now, I'll stop doing this now that it's a new year. New year, new me. No, new year, same you. You're like, what? The calendar changed me. When I changed the page from December to January, magically, my whole life is different. New year, new me, Paul. No, new year, same you. But Paul, like... Once I get married, everything's going to change. No, no, no. You take who you are today, your character, your choices, your habits, your cycles. You carried into the new year. You could set new goals, but if you don't change you, you could change your location. And if I just move to Florida, my life will be better. If I just move to China, everything, I'll finally be in God's will. But if you don't let go of the past on the inside, I'm not saying past, I'm saying on the inside, the habits the thoughts, the patterns, the bitterness. So the angels pull them out. And they start leaving the city. But here's an interesting thing. This story gets crazier. As they're leaving the city, Lot looks at the angels. In verse 19, he says, you've been so gracious. You've been so good. <laughs> he says, uh, but I can't, I can't go all the way. I can't like fully let go of the cigarettes. I need at least a couple in my pocket. I can't let go of all the pornography. I need like a little bit. I need to hold on to a little bit with that person. I need to still keep her number in my phone. I still need to, I still need to see him every now and then. I just need, everybody say little. So watch this. In verse 20, he says, um, can I go to this little town between here and where you're calling me? Look at this. Verse 20, he says, there's a little town 
It's small. It's a small stash of cocaine. It's a small stash. Y'all are like, what is happening right now? We're breaking bad. We're breaking up with every addiction. This is Freedom Sunday. I hope this altar is full of all your narcotics. Now, hey, next Sunday, if you didn't bring it with you today, bring it with you. Bring all the bottles of alcohol. Just get it out and just bring it to the altar. You're like, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to give it away to someone. No, I'm not giving it away. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of it. We're not going to be dealers. We're hope dealers. We're not drug dealers, all right? But, 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 Lot says, um, can I keep a little bit? Can I stay in this small town? It's a, small, it's a little town, just a little bit. The angels are looking at him. They're like, why would you want to hold on to something that's empty? Why would you want to stay in something that's destroying your family? Because sin feels good for a little bit. It does. It does. Let's be honest. Like, sin feels good in the moment, but the hangover, the aftertaste, the next day you're like, gosh, it's so empty. It's miserable. And it's addictive, and it's afflictive, and it's depressing, and it's oppressing, and it's got me tangled up. It's got me, it's like, Ty, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with my past, and the future's calling me, and I want to hold on to Zor, this small little town. It was called Zor. Little town called Zor. It actually, the meaning of the town, little, little, just a little stash. And the angel said, fine, you can stay there for a little bit, but eventually you're going to have to leave. Eventually you have a future to get to. So he, he stays there for a little bit. They're, they're moving, and they're walking, and all of a sudden, as they're leaving, the angel said, don't look back, don't look back. Now, there's lots of different ways to look back, okay? I almost titled this sermon, Don't Look Back, but the problem is there's moments in the scripture where God wants us to look back, but he wants us to look back the right way. He wants us to remember the miracles. He tells the Israelites in, in the wilderness, he says, remember what I did for you, that I parted the Red Sea. Remember that I delivered you from the slavery you were under Pharaoh. Remember how I made a way where there seemed, remember the cloud by day and the fire by night. Remember the walls of Jericho falling down. Remember when Goliath felt like, remember the good stuff. And remember with a spirit of thankfulness. Like I was driving to church this morning and I have my rear view mirror. It's my rear view mirror in case you don't know. And so I'm looking behind me to see if who, who's trying to race me to church. I'm like, I'm gonna beat you. I'm not giving you an inch, you know. And um, but if I, if I get that rearview mirror right here, then I can't see anything. And if I get so fixated on what's behind me, if I get so sad about who's behind me, what's behind me, I'm going to miss who's in front of me. And I'm going to miss the purpose and the assignment that's in front of me because I'm obsessed with who I lost and what I lost. And God's saying, you need to put this down. You need to look in front of you. Stop dwelling and mulling over your regrets, your shame, your guilt, your loss, the bitterness, who hurt you, who hurt your family, secondhand offense, all of it. Like, let it go. What's in front of you is greater than what's behind you. What's in front of you is greater. And God is merciful 
to deliver you. If there's breath in your lungs, this is not a sermon to shame you. Like if you're stuck in addiction right now, you are in the right place, my friend. Welcome to victory. Literally, welcome to victory. And you go, well, Paul, I haven't seen it yet. I'm still addicted. But you're in the right place. You are on the path towards freedom. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require surrender. And it's going to require withdrawals. And this is where, yeah, yeah, when the withdrawals come, this is where Lot's wife is at. She's walking towards Zion, but she is thinking about Babylon. There's a lot of Christians who are headed in the right direction, but they're going, every now and then, I miss that. If I could just shoulda, coulda, woulda. This is where Lot's wife is at. She's like, I just, uh, I miss my old house. I miss my old job. I miss my old friends. I miss the easy street that I lived on. I miss that we didn't have to care about pleasing God because we were just pleasing our flesh. Jesus says, if if you cling to that, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose that, you're going to save your life. If you're willing to just lose it, you can win, but you got to lose it. I can look back with gratitude, but I can't look back with lust. I can look back going, God, thank you that you delivered me. God, thank you that you brought me through. God, thank you for the good things. Even missing my dad. Not a day goes by because some of us are going, well, Paul, what about the good stuff? Like, what about the laws of like, our, our relatives? And what about like, Paul, I, I met Jesus at youth camp in 1993. And I just, I really loved that version of Jesus when I was 14 years old. And I was at youth camp and it was amazing. And God goes, but I'm still here. I'm not the God of I was. I am the great I am. So I know you enjoyed me in 1993. Like when our church moved out of the Maybe Center, we used to rent the Maybe Center across the street at Oral Roberts University. We used to rent it every single week, set up, tear down. We did church there for 20 years. This was built in 2007. I remember when we moved in here, I literally talked with young people and older people. It wasn't just people that were in their, you know, 80s or 90s. It was people that were like in their early 20s and they go, the maybe center days, the good old days. Did you guys ever see Napoleon Dynamite? (laughs) Napoleon Dynamite was a pretty good movie. Um, But in (laughs) in the movie, there was a character named Uncle Rico. You guys remember Uncle Rico? He's like, I can throw a pigskin a quarter of a mile. He's like 50 years old, and he's talking about high school. He's like, if only the coach would have put me in. He's like, Napoleon, let me tell you something. When I was in high school, I was the man. You know, and he's just like romanticizing his past. He's obsessed with his high school days. You ever met someone like Uncle Rico? You're like, dude, you're not in high school anymore. But Uncle Rico is like, he looks at camp. He's like, hey, Kemp. Can you make a time machine? Can you make a time machine and, and send me back in time? And Kim's like, no. You know, the characters are just funny in that movie. But the point is, church, we can't make a time machine, and we really shouldn't make a time machine because today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. God says, live now. Stop living back then. Stop going back then. Stop going back to yesterday with this longing in your heart that you want to be there. I just want to go back. I want to recreate the past. 
That's what people were saying about the Maybe Center. They were like, Paul and the Maybe Center, we had Benny Hinn come and Tim Store, and he knocked us all out. And then, you know, we had like so-and-so, and, 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 and the presence of God was so strong in the Maybe Center. But over here, you know, I don't know. God's just not as strong as he was in 1998 with R.W. Shambach and Lester Sumrall and Oral Roberts. And I love all of those guys. I'm all about them. But God is moving in 2023, and he has something powerful and fresh and fresh manna. Stop living off the manna of your past. He has new manna today. So many people are like, well, I'm just going to live off the miracles of the 90s. And God's going, I got miracles in 2023 for you. I got fresh revelation. Show up to Victory Conference. Well, Paul, I just missed word explosion in 1986. You know what? Praise God for what God did back then. But God's about to move like never before in 2023. Revival's about to hit. But it requires us to look forward. Everybody say, look forward. Look forward. Getting closer to your future requires closure on your past. I wonder if the reason why, here's what happened, by the way, in verse 26. Lot's wife, she couldn't handle it. Like, eventually, she just turns around. And she just reaches like, I miss Sodom. I miss Gomorrah. I miss my old friends, my old house. I miss my old life. I miss my old habits. I miss, I miss, I miss my addictions. And when she did, she turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus in the New Testament says, remember Lot's wife. Because the end times are going to get intense. And there's going to be temptations to go backwards. If you don't grieve your past, you'll never leave your past. Sometimes the reason we haven't left is because we haven't grieved. We haven't, like, if you don't grieve, it lingers. And it triggers you. And you hear a song, and you see a picture, and you're like, oh, yes. You got to grieve it so you can leave it. You got to properly grieve, like weep and go, okay, I'm done. This, I heard this song on the radio, this, uh, I don't know, it was where I was at, but this song came on. And I think the title of it was as, as Far As You Could Take Me. And this guy is singing about, well, you don't know what it is at first. And he's like, you were there for me when I moved to Nashville. And you were there for me when I got married. And you were there for me. You helped me make my wife laugh, but you also made my wife cry. And he starts talking through all these things. And finally, at the end of the song, you realize he's talking about alcohol. He was addicted to alcohol. It was the thing that got him excited to go on stages and sing songs in Nashville. But it was also the thing that was wrecking his marriage. And he says, you've taken me as far as you could take me. It's time I put you down for good. When I heard this song, I go, oh my goodness. What a song of, of Lot's wife breaking up with whatever it was that was destructive in your life. Consecration. It's time I put this stuff down for good. It's time I bury this stuff for good. You're better on the shelf than you are in my hand. I don't need you anymore. In fact, get it off the shelf. Lay it on the altar and say, I am done with yesterday's stuff. If it's not of God, it's not worth your future. What is stealing your stare? If I could freeze your stare right now. So Lot's wife, she got stuck in a stare. If I could freeze your spiritual stare right now, would it be forward with hope? Or if I could go into your brain right now, your mind, and look at your thoughts, you're like, don't do that, bro. It's, well, it's wild in there. 
If I could put your thoughts on the big screen for everyone to see, you're like, no, we don't want that either. But if we could freeze your spiritual stare, would it be forward, sideward, with comparison and jealousy, resentment, or would it be backwards with shame, regret, or longing? Longing, I just want that. By the way, this picture right here, it's an actual rock outside of Japan, right outside of Tokyo, in the ocean. When sailors came across it, they named it Lot's Wife. <laughs> That's the name of this rock because it's complete salt. It's, a, it's a, literally, it is, uh, the whole thing is, is, is salt. And, um, and so when they went on there, it's, it's all made of salt. And I just wonder, I want the band to come out. I just wonder, in this story, God's saying, don't be salty. Like in other moments, he's like, be salt. But in this moment, he's like, stop. Stop being salty about your past. Stop living in the past. Learn from the past, but don't yearn for the past. The past, let's stop talking about the past like it's a destination. It was an education. It was a stepping stone. Praise God, you are past your past. It came to pass. Now move forward. So what is stealing your stare? For some, it's sin. And by the way, we look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we go, I know the sin there. It's always the sin you don't commit, by the way. But Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel the prophet, he talks about the sin. He says, let me tell you the sin of our sister Sodom. He says, this was the sin in verse 49, Ezekiel 16. He says, she and her daughters were filled with pride. So if you've ever been convinced that you're right and other people are wrong, or you're unwilling to repent or unwilling to apologize, or just stuck in your stubborn ways, then you've practiced the sin of Sodom. She was filled with pride. She was overfed. She was a glutton. Like she just couldn't get enough. I needed more. I need more, 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 more. Not just overfed physically, but overfed um, with sensations. If my eyes like it, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have more. I gotta have more stuff. More, 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 more. Materials. She was unconcerned. Unconcerned for the needy and the poor. Like the story that Jesus told of, of the Good Samaritan, the priest walks by, unconcerned about the, the Jew, his actual brother that's hurting. Someone else will take care of that guy. But the Samaritan, who's not supposed to have compassion, is concerned for the needy. What a, what a conviction this scripture brings. It wasn't just perverted sin. It was pride. Now, it was twisted sexual immorality, but it was an unconcern for humanity. That's their problem. That's someone else's issue. I'm not dealing with that. I'm not helping the poor, the needy. So God's calling us to a higher standard. He's calling us up. For some of us, we're stuck in a stare, not because of sin, but because of comfort. We are so comfortable in our current seasons and dysfunctions. We become comfortable with what's wrong. We're lazy. We're, li we're just living on easy street. We are loving Netflix and, and just binging on food and just doing nothing. Uh, we're missing the good old days. I miss Mayberry sitting on the porch drinking ice cold cherry Cokes. Um, we're romanticizing the past. We're like, the past is so great. Yeah, but wh wait, what? You but there was a lot of not so great things that were, sometimes we only remember the good about something that was really not good. <laughs> Sometimes we're afraid the future won't be any better. What if the sin of Lot's wife was that she feared there was nothing in front of her that could ever measure up to what was behind her? She's like, man, I'm an empty nester now. 
I just miss when my kids were all around me and we were all hanging out. I'll bring my kids over to your house. In a couple days, you'll be like, okay, I'm thankful for the empty nest season. <laughs> we got five kids. It's wild. It's awesome. I love it. I don't want to long for my single days. I don't want to long for some other day. I want to love today. What God is doing today, right here, right now. My best days are right in front of me. For some of us, we have no vision. Without a vision, people cast off restraint. Where there's no vision, people perish. They lose hope. We have a bad attitude. We're just angry, just frustrated, overwhelmed by disappointment. By the way, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he appeared to multiple people at multiple times. Two guys were on a road called, uh, a road to Emmaus. They're going backwards. These two guys, true story. Jesus shows up in the flesh. They don't recognize him. And they spend time talking to him about him. And they're like, man, there was this guy named Jesus. He was amazing back in the day. The way he showed up for us back in the day, the miracles he did back at the Maybe Center. Youth camp was so awesome. And God's like, I'm with you right now. I miss my kid's pastor from 1987. And he's like, you know, they have this box they place God. God won't fit in your box. He's not stuck in yesterday. He's not stuck in your old season. He's not stuck in your old. Some of you are in a new season and God's saying, let go, man, let go. God has something great today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has fresh miracles for you today. For some of us, we are obsessed with trying to recreate the past or we're mulling over our regrets. Man, I just missed it. I missed it. I missed it. His mercies are new for you this morning. Mailman just showed up at your house. You don't know it yet. You don't have a camera on it, but God just dropped off some mail. It's in your mailbox. You can open it up. It just says mercy new for you 2023 open it up receive it let go of the past once we do here's what's on the other side if we notice that no one else in lot's family looked back only his wife his daughters didn't look back he didn't look back we don't know eventually what came of his his family and, and their story but we know that she's the only one who looked back everyone else moved if we will move forward with faith into this year Here's what I'm, I'm promising you. God has a purpose for you right now. God has a purpose for you right now. God wants to work through you right now. Everybody say right now. God is an ever-present help in time of need. He, wants to, he has an assignment on your life in 2023 that requires you to have a necessary ending of 2022. It's not just turning a page on a calendar. It's not a vocation change. It's not a location change. It's a heart change. Best thing you can change this year, you. Not your hair, not your house, not your car, not your girlfriend, not, your, uh, not moving to another state, not trying to find a new job or try out a new career or change your major. All of those things are external changes. Greatest change you can have this year inside you. Fully release the past fully embrace faith for the future. God has people he wants you to connect with right now. But it requires you to let go of whoever is not here anymore. God has a place for you to belong, believe, and become. And I would say it's right here. It's right where you're sitting. For some of you, you got to go through growth track. you got to get involved in discipleship track. Get in a connect group. This year, start breaking bread with people. 
Start, start a monthly connect group at your house or go meet at a restaurant or have coffee together. God has people right now for you to connect with. Mentoring, relationships, friendships, discipleship, iron sharpening iron. God has given you a free revival conference at the start of the year to show up. And by the way, we are gonna worship, linger, and we are gonna go deep in an overflow time of worship at conference every night. Next week is the conference. We're just 10 days away from it. And when it starts on January 11th with Darius Daniels, and then John Maxwell and Bill Johnson and Lisa Bevere. I'm excited about the messages, but I'm excited after the sermons. Man, you're going to find me down here at the altar. And we might just worship till midnight on one of those nights. I already told the worship team, I'm like, hey, get ready. We're going to go. We're just going to lean in. And I don't care if there's only 10 people here, but I would be sad for anyone who misses out on what's about to happen. Revival's about to break out in 2023 at Victory. And I'm telling you, the conference is a catalyst for it. We are gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna see canes fall, That we're gonna see wheelchairs, we're gonna see healings this year, we're gonna see miracles. Did y'all see on that recap video, 5,000 healings happened in our services last year? That's incredible. What if 10,000 healings happen this next year? What if 10,000 people got water baptized? What if 500,000 people got saved? What if we reached 20 million people this year with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if you lived your best year of fruitfulness for the kingdom of God this year with a focus that no distraction could stop you? What if you became the healthiest you that you've ever been? Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, financially. What if you got debt free this year? You go, how do I do it? Let go of Sodom and Gomorrah. And immediately we go, I'm going to let go of those tough people that I don't like being around. God says, no, no, no. Those are the people that are holding you accountable. Those are the people that are challenging to go higher. What you really need to let go of is habits or anyone that's pulling you into sin. Anything or anyone, any addiction, any vice, anything that's just like holding you into sin, 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 it's tough. That you would go, okay, I'm moving forward. And I'm grabbing hold. Paul the Apostle said it like this. I'm forgetting what's behind me. And I think Paul was forgetting the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's saying, good things happen. I was taught by Gamaliel. I was, I was, I was trained by the greatest theologian in Israel. But he failed to train me in the supernatural power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I need to let go of the religious pharisaical teaching that I was trained in. But I also need to let go of the friendships that didn't work out because Paul the Apostle was, he was one guy that just didn't always stay friends with everybody. <laughs> like if you study his life, he just kind of was wild. But he was letting go of the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm letting go of the mistakes I made, the stuff that I can't change, the moments that I missed out on what God had for me. And I'm grabbing hold of what lies ahead. I'm pressing towards the prize the high calling that Christ has called me. He's beckoning me forward, onward. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. God has something for you this year. And we're going to worship right now. And I, I want us just to, this is an invitation for anyone in the room that you just go, man, I want to live this year with a posture of surrender that my year belongs to God. My marriage, my family, my future marriage, whether you're married, single, divorced, whatever season of life you find yourself in, that this would be a moment. You started the year off right by coming to church. Now here's an invitation. Would you like to surrender your life this year and let go 
of some things you need to let go of. It's not going to be magic, but it's going to be a step of commitment where you say, Lord, I'm choosing this day. There was a guy who was hiking through the mountains, true story, and while he was hiking in Utah, he came between two areas where there was a slot. It was called a slot canyon, and he was rappelling down, and he somehow lost his footing and slid all the way down and got stuck. His elbow got stuck between a rock and, and the cliff, and he couldn't get out. He starts screaming for help. No one's coming. He's out in the middle of this slot canyon that's far from society. This was 1998 when this happened, and, uh, or 96, and he screams for over a day, then two days, 48 hours go on, then three days, 72 hours, then four days, 96 hours. Over 100 hours goes by. He's all by himself. He's, he's got no water, no food left. All he had in his backpack was a granola bar and water, and he realizes, I'm going to die out here unless, unless he had this dull pocket knife and he thought, if I cut my arm off, there's a chance I could live, but I'm never going to get that arm back. So either I lose my life or I lose the arm that's holding my life back. I lose what's holding me back. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I'm not saying go home and pluck your eye out, but... He's saying if there's something that's holding you back, no more being held back. It's going to be painful, but the cutting is, is it's for your good. So he did. Aaron Ralston, 127 hours stuck in the slot canyon. He crawled out with one arm, left behind the other arm. He lives today and he speaks in high schools across America without that arm. And he says, whatever's holding you back, are you desperate enough to move forward? Are you desperate enough, Lot, in your family? I promise you, God has great things. But you got to leave behind lifestyle. you got to leave behind habits. you got to leave behind hurts, wounds, anger, unforgiveness, guilt, shame, confusion, everything. God's saying, it's time. Get ready. God has great things. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. If you're, if you're sensing in your heart there's some things, you, maybe it's just this year. Maybe it's the past, the present, the future, fear, worry, stress. Maybe it's excitement, but you go, I, I really want my values and my goals and my heart and my life to be aligned with what God has for me this year. I want his will. I want his fruit evident in my life. I want to get in my Bible this year. I want to read the word. By the way, we got Bible reading plans out in the lobby for free. Grab them, download the Victory app. It'll play it for you. It's free. You can listen to the Bible on audio every day. Go through the whole Bible in a year. But maybe you're just here right now and you just go, man, I, I need to surrender. I need to consecrate this year to God. I don't want to repeat the past, the bad stuff. I want to see something great in my future. So we're just going to worship and, and I'm going to open this altar for anyone who wants to. You could come down as a family. You can come down as a couple. Come down by yourself. But the altar is open for believers, for unbelievers, for staff members, for anyone who just says, I want to give this year to God. We're just going to worship.
You hold the future in your hand. You hold my world and all my plans. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And if the world came crashing down, you still remain my solid ground. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. No matter what may come, no matter what's been done, into your arms I run, my refuge. My hope is fixed on you, my eyes are set on you, I won't look back, I won't look back. My heart belongs to you, my life is yours to use, I won't look back, I won't be shaken. You hold the Tell him that you trust him this morning. Yours to use, I won't look back. 
Fix our eyes on you, Lord. Fix our hope on you. We set our sights on you. We put our trust in you. Because you are worthy. You are holy. You are holy. Holy, holy, are you Lord God 
worthy of it all. Worthy of your surrender.
Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name. Oh, 
Come on, we're declaring Jesus over 2023. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Of Tulsa, of Oklahoma, of America. Last week, our boys, they were gathering sticks and they wanted to build a bonfire. And they were asking me, you know, Dad, can we build a bonfire? Let's build a bonfire. And I got to thinking some of my favorite memories of growing up were around a bonfire. Like just, you know, gathering around a bonfire, we would sing or we would tell stories. And I wrote down in my notes, I don't know why I wrote this, but when I was taking notes this week, I just wrote down, build a new bonfire. And I was looking at it this morning, and then while we were worshiping, I haven't said it in any service, but just when we sang that last line right there, burn like a fire, I just hear God saying, you know, it's time to build a new bonfire. Some of you burned some stuff up years ago, but it's crept back in. And some of you, there's some stuff that needs to burn up this year at the start of the year, maybe during a fast that you take, you know, a Daniel fast, a 21 day fast, or a week fast, or maybe during conference week, you just start gathering all the wood, whatever it is. You start gathering all this stuff and you go, okay, it's time to build a new bonfire and burn up some stuff as we, as we go into this new year. Whatever needs to burn up, that the Holy Spirit, he's an all-consuming fire, that he would burn away the chaff, the stuff that's just unnecessary, and that you would start this year fresh, anew, and Jesus is, he's covering your past. He's covering whatever you've walked through. And he's saying, all right, build that bonfire. Let's burn it up at the start of this year and let's get ready for a fresh fire in your life, a fresh fire in your spirit. In every area that you wanna see victory, that you wanna see breakthrough, that you wanna see surrender in, that you wanna see God move in, that you would just stir up the fire, that you would gather the wood and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you to start that fire. Burn it all up. And God, do what you wanna do in me and through me. And so let's just pray this prayer together today. And before we do, is, is anyone, from, uh, Daniel Henshaw, uh, at Victory Conference, can we get a bonfire? 
It's gonna be cold outside. What if, we, what if we had a big bonfire at conference next week? Maybe we gather some wood from Camp Victory or something and just dead wood and dead stuff. Don't bring the marijuana. We don't wanna be smelling that in the fire. But whatever, whatever we just need to burn up, that we would just, I don't know, we just need to have a fire. And I just sense God's wanting to do something fresh in your life, but it requires you to burn up anything that's of the past. Throw it in the fire. All the receipts, all the hurts, the wounds, the bitterness, the anger, all the shame, the guilt, the addiction, all of that stuff that you would say, okay, God, I surrender. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. I repent and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for new mercies this year, a new year. Do a new work in my heart, in my life. I am all yours, God. I trust in you. My hope is in you. My eyes are on you. My confidence is in you, Lord, that greater things are in front of me than anything that is behind me. In Jesus' name.